0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine Twenty Four Seven Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. And if you missed our previous podcast, we talked a lot about some of the proposal proposed changes Jim Harbaugh addressed in an open letter to the football community. Um, we were both—it's some interesting discussion because I mean we were both in favor of most of what Jim said, but but there were some. Some things we're curious about, some Michigan angles, some angles that we've seen in our experience covering this that, um, that, that we, we shared, so feel free to check that out if you'd like. This one will be mostly about basketball, kind of kind of catching up on some of the attrition and, and some of the other, other things that have happened, but yeah, it, it, it should be a fun episode. If you like it, feel free to rate and review it, share it with your friends, uh, be sure to be sure to let us know, too. We like to hear what you guys like and, and what you guys don't like. So with that, we can get started. So our last basketball podcast came after Colin Castleton transferred. Uh, since then, well, what, what's happened, Steve? I, was Isaiah Todd after that? Um, anyway, we can just refresh the whole offseason. So players who have left include David and Julius, Colin Castleton, and then just a couple days ago, Cole Badgema. Uh, players who left the recruiting class Isaiah Todd you could argue Josh Christopher because he was a crystal ball favorite uh was was also quote unquote a departure incoming Mike Smith grad transfer the, the Big 10's number 1 recruiting class you know we, we might we could talk about that maybe but uh Hunter Dickinson Zeb Jackson terrence Williams and then Jace Howard as well and so now after all the panic and and I swear we said on this exact podcast fans who are worried about the numbers stop worrying about the numbers uh we are proven correct because now they are worried about the numbers in the other way they went from possibly having a couple too many players signed on to the class to only having 11 scholarship players and that's if isaiah livers comes back which i i have not heard anything suggesting that won't happen uh based on his comments and based on we haven't even seen him in a top eighty of a mock draft just yet. Um, not to not to say that it's a done deal, but kind of kind of get the vibe he'd be back for another season, especially since he looks like he would be the leading scorer and go to player. But we can we can go ahead and well, let's talk about Cole Badguma, and then we can kind of reset and look to what this summer might look like for Michigan. Steve, I think I think I am officially jaded to the transfer process to the point where i just assume anyone who didn't play a ton uh and who is seemingly going either uh plateaued or further down on the depth chart is is going to transfer these days uh i, I know you were a little bit more surprised by cole Bajima transferring i was surprised by the timing but what was your initial reaction to uh hearing that that Badgema was in the transfer portal yeah, but the timing was what made it surprising, though.
1: Right, right, and that's uh, you kind of figure the dust had settled out, and you uh, you also assume that regardless of what Livers does, feel like he's a uh, probably in the same position as Badjuma, or at least you know overlapping to an extent. Mm-hmm. That he was a guy that was bound to see of a, a significant increase in his role next year, or at least the opportunity to increase that role. So, you know. I see the, I think it was on our board, people bemoaning that Nunez playing the minutes he did over Bajuma's why Bajuma left. And it's I was just like, don't think that had anything to do
0: with it. Uh, if that had been the case, I think he'd have left a while ago or made that decision. I think, sorry to cut you off. No, you go ahead to it. No. I think it's Franz Wagner coming back, is what. Interesting. Kind yeah. of pro- I mean, because he's, you know, Nunez, I. I How do I say this without sounding like a jerk? I think Cole would have passed, Cole Bajima would have passed Adrian Nunez on the depth chart this year. I think they have similar roles. I think Bajima just has a little bit more, he's got a little bit more length. I think he's a little bit more proficient on defense. I don't think it was that. I don't think this was reactionary. If anything, actually, I think it was more related to the pandemic, to the being at home to the being from somewhere that's like 3000 miles away. Uh, but Steve, feel free to, to continue with your thought.
1: Uh, I mean, that could be it. I suppose if you do, if, if, if the timing is what's throwing us all off, I guess that means there's a better chance. There was more of an unorthodox reasoning behind it. Uh, so with what, with everything that is going on, I suppose that could play a role. I did notice I think Josh Gershon, one of our national guys, actually didn't enter or had a brief conversation with him. And all the schools he's considering are upper, Northwest. yeah, Pacific Northwest area schools, you know, which would lend some credence to that idea that maybe he was uh, homesick or that our current situation, you know, maybe led him to believe maybe it's best if I just go closer to home and be, you know, a lot closer to my family. So, well, if, if you're, if you're yeah. Michigan. More like a just a end to a a garbage six week stretch. Uh, if you're them, I mean, what a kind of a you know bad luck. If that's the reasoning, you know. To granted, you are you have a guy that does live all the way across the country. I suppose that's always there's always some inherent risk. Granted, it's not. He wasn't technically Howard's guy. Howard still had to finish the job there, if I remember right. But you know. I guess so. I guess there is some inherent risk of a guy uh, living all the way across the country, but at the same time, you know, the timing of it. Yeah. After a lot of transfer, a couple transfer guys they really liked uh, made a decision. Maybe those decisions are, could have turned out a little bit differently if they had known yet another guy mm-hmm. would leave. Uh, the Franz Wagner thing's interesting, though. It's not something I considered, but I guess it makes a certain amount of sense. Although it never felt like he was a threat to go, but yeah.
0: No, it, well, I, I, I had a. There was a part of me that wondered if Franz would test the waters, just the way he finished the season, his his pro ceiling. I think as soon as it became clear there weren't going to be NBA workouts or any any chance for him to impress scouts further, uh, I think that it became clear he wasn't going to go. But I call, a little bit of background on Cole, which which might help fans who are who are discussing this or, or thinking about it. He is from Linden, Washington. It's about two hours north of Seattle. It's basically on the U.S.-Canada border, so very far away. And his his sister was an All-American volleyball player at Washington. He his Part of his connection to Michigan, in addition to being a very John Beeline recruit, or John Beeline-style recruit, he actually does have family on the west side of the state. Um, so he grew up a Michigan fan. And so I think that's part of, how he was or how Juwan Howard was able to kind of reaffirm Badgema's commitment. I think also, you know, a foreseeable path to the the rotation in year one was part of it too. Clearly that, that latter part didn't come to fruition. Yeah. I don't, you know, a lot of times players depart because of playing time or because they think they get playing time elsewhere. We'll never know the full story. My hunch is, I mean, there was there was a there was a period where every school in the Big Ten, except for I think Michigan State, uh, there might not have been another one. Every school in the Big Ten basically lost. Wisconsin didn't lose anybody either. Um, lost multiple significant players, David Julius, Colin Castleton type players to transfer. And so, if for Cole to not transfer during that time, but to transfer now, there's a, there's a Obviously, a few things at play. Some things we are just a personal thing. Um, you know, I know I know I've talked to enough uh, non-revenue sports or or Olympic sports, I should say, uh, to know that people from far away, much bigger quote unquote flight risk for players to just be like, ah, I kind of like it out here more. And I think perhaps one similar scenario. I Steve, jump all over me if I'm if I'm misreading the situation, but you know, a Devin Asiasi-type situation where – Not at all. You're okay. right. Yeah. Okay. And so uh, – but anyway, with, with Cole, there's that. There's also – I will point out when they – kind it was the April 20th meetings or whatever the NCAA had, and they, they said, we don't recommend the one-time transfer rule being implemented this year. But they did say in the bottom paragraph – that there should be extra sensitivity in these waivers to situations that are related to coronavirus. And I have to think that that would inc- someone who's living 3000 miles away and they're now home, I mean, I don't know any of his his personal ties to this family or whatever, but I have to think I really want to be closer to home. And this, this pandemic kind of made me come to that realization, come to that reflection. That sounds like a done deal that Cole would be immediately eligible. And so that, that changes the transfer market a little bit when you are immediately eligible. Because all the schools that he's interested in, I have to think he'd start for almost all of them. I and mean, we didn't see a ton of him this year, but he was very efficient when he was in. Uh, he's got great length for his position. He can, he can kind of move like a guard but has uh, the size of a forward, you know, there's, there's, there's some weight lifting he's going to have to do to, to really play any of that power forward or small forward type role. But I wonder if, if that's part of it too, that, um, you know, maybe because he has a slightly better chance of being ruled eligible than he thought maybe a month and a half ago. Uh, same time, players transfer on a whim. I mean, it is what it is. There's not a, not a ton to gain from speculating on, on why. I don't personally think Michigan did anything wrong here. And, and, and the other thing to remember, sorry, we should have mentioned this early on, he wasn't, a John B, or he wasn't a Juwan Howard recruit. Usually, teams that change head coaches lose a lot more players than Michigan has lost so far. I mean, usually you lose some right away in the in the initial recruiting class. They did lose Jalen Wilson, um, but then there's usually a few more transfers too. And you can you can point to pretty much every. I I would imagine the average is around five players, depart, in some way, shape, or form when when a head coach changes. So, um, yeah, it's not uh, it's probably not what Michigan wanted. They probably didn't want to have to be dealing with this in May. And and as you pointed out the transfer market has dried up a little bit. Do, does their pursuit of Justin Kyer or their pursuit of, um, you know, another kind of two-guard transfer, does that change when they have another spot open and they have even more minutes to offer? And so, Steve, I, th- I think we said this after Castleton departed that probably need another guard on the roster. The one thing I would say, this I mean, the, the Badgerman transfer – Emphasizes that now the need is even greater. I don't know about you. I think that they now can look at this market and say grad it doesn't have to be a grad transfer, it can be a traditional transfer. And it, you'd almost argue it be preferred because they have four seniors on the team. And suddenly, going into 2021 20, 22 season, I know that's a little bit further down the road, they currently have Zeb Jackson and Adrian Nunez at the guard position, and they don't have any other scholarship players. And so I think I think they've got to look for somebody. I mean, you know, and I, I've got a list. I'll pull it up in a second. But but Steve, in your mind, how important is it for them to get a to get a transfer or get a transfer or fill the scholarship count just up at least one more spot? I think it's it's paramount,
1: isn't it? I mean, we don't know what the ceiling is for Mike Smith, I suppose. But, and yeah, I mean, it might make more sense actually to take us a traditional transfer, but at the same time, you know, they they actually should be pretty talented next year. And I wouldn't let that discourage them from still maybe going the grad route if they find the right guy, you know, um Oh, so they are in a position actually in a weird way where they kind of have options, I suppose, right? Because either there are benefits to going either route. Mm -hmm. I think with the amount of guys, like we just, as you talked about, like it's, there's such an immense amount of people that transfer that you could take a grad now, you could almost take one a year. You know, like right. like you do like a like this like a, just an addition to your recruiting class almost almost you know so there should be no shortage of guys you know and almost in a way you know if you're Juwan Howard or whoever you could use it as a you almost create like a niche market say Mike Smith performs really really well you know, I don't know if he's a guy suffering to get drafted in the NBA but you know a guy you could show tangible improvement in his game over what he showed at Columbia and did it on a bigger level Yeah, is a deal where in the the
0: tournament, play in the tournament, play on the big stage.
1: Exactly. And get get better as a player with their coaching staff where, you know, they could, you can almost, like I said, create like a niche market where Michigan is a quote great spot for grad transfers. Right. So there's a lot of different ways they could approach it. I'll be interested to see which route they go. Like I said, though, you got livers. Let's say he comes back, Uh, you know, Wagner comes back. You got a talented uh, incoming freshman class. You got Austin Davis coming back. I mean, just literally. Eli Brooks scored double digits last year. Yep, Eli Brooks. So, sorry, Eli, I forgot. I forgot about him real quick. There, that's my fault. But um, (laughs) you know, yeah, sorry. I'm sure he's listening. But uh, you know, so they they have a roster. I think that can come back and do some stuff for sure, right? So I don't think they should necessarily discourage themselves from going the grad route. Because, I just yeah, I just think there are going to be so many of them every year that you can find a guy, and, and if you find the right fit in that regard. But, again, say I do agree. I think there is some logic to what you say as well because, yeah, after next year, you don't – yeah, you also don't want to be too reliant on it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting, though. This is uh, – yeah, we talk about <laughs> the, don't worry about the numbers, the ultimate irony, uh, you know, that, it, that this is where things are now that yeah. yeah that they're having they're having to try to fill so mm-hmm. still though don't worry about the numbers they'll always work out so
0: <laughs> well, well we'll see what happens i i have some thoughts on on what they should do and and why uh we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll be back in, in about 15 seconds the chilling new original docuseries on paramount plus Okay, and we're back. So, as I mentioned, I I have some opinions. So, a couple things. I know fans kind of have those – they've got hungry eyes when it comes to recruiting classes down the road. They always do. This isn't a Michigan thing. This isn't every fan. Every fan thinks that the next year's recruiting class can be amazing. And some years it is, some years it isn't. But the one thing I would say, I don't think Michigan should go into 2021 saying that they want a 20 – or a seven-member recruiting class because I, I think with basketball more so than football football I think you can have a if you have a chance for an extra couple of recruiting spots that doesn't hurt you at all where where it comes into play with basketball is most let's say top 100 recruits they want to go somewhere where they can score points and that's not being them being selfish that's them wanting exposure and wanting to to make a career you certainly don't you, know, you want to go where you can get noticed so you can probably with 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 seven spots you can probably fill if you're Juwan Howard the first three or four in pretty strong fashion similar to this year maybe a little bit better because the timeline's better but once you get to five six seven it's harder to get some of those top tier players unless you have an amazing personal connection or you or you're just incredibly lucky or you know, you can fill in the blank there uh, and some, some schools that just seem to recruit well, no matter what the situation is. Like Kentucky but, getting a, what's that guy from Wake Forest just falls into their lap at the perfect well, time. Okay. So, so that's a transfer. I actually do think Kentucky and it has built the grad transfer factory. The same thing that you're describing where sure. every year they get two or three transfers to come in and they get exposed. A couple of them have been drafted. That's actually worked out really well. Them and gonzaga have done really well at it i think um baylor and texas tech have kind of done it on an under level and then i would say north carolina is starting to build a little bit of a grad transfer it hasn't worked out for every single transfer but they're starting to get one or two a year uh, but i'm talking about recruiting because your your fifth and sixth best recruits they are probably going to be the second best recruit at their position in the class sure and that's not even counting the players on the team so say for example Michigan hypothetically lands a five-star point guard a top 40 wing a top 60 big man and let's say one more you know wing like a combo guard. guard yeah so suddenly you have four you still have three spots to fill if you if you have seven that's assuming Franz Wagner and no other transfers, let's say everybody's back. Well, suddenly you're in this situation where you are trying to convince a top 100 player that he's not even the best player on your board at the position in the class to come join the group and and basically not just be a backup, but be a backup behind another freshman. I mean, we talk about players transferring when someone their age or younger is a starter over them. I mean, it's, it's just, I, what I'm trying to say is I think you would see a drop-off in the quality rating-wise, quality rating-wise of recruits because I think Michigan would, would still recruit, and Juwan Howard is shown to be a pretty strong recruiter. Um, but I think you would see a situation where maybe the first three or four recruits would be top 100. You might have a tough time filling that, those last three spots, though. If I hope that makes sense to the listeners. Point being in basketball, it's a little bit more about you want to be the best at your position in the class. You want to have a, a spot in the rotation. And if you have a seven-member recruiting class, you can look at this throughout history. I mean, even even when some of the big name schools have these bigger classes, the fifth and sixth guys are maybe more of like a three-star development guy or, or kind of a, a wild card recruit, maybe an international recruit. Someone who doesn't have 20 high major schools knocking on their door and and so again it's not necessarily do you want to go to michigan it's do you want to go to michigan versus a better opportunity a potentially better opportunity at another big 10 school so i don't think they want to go into 2021 with seven recruit with seven spots and therefore taking a peek at the transfer portal it isn't uh you know a super amazing market right now but I don't know if Steve. Did, I don't know if you got a chance to look at these, but but some of these names are kind of intriguing. Um, so a couple of them are graduate. Most of them are traditional. You know, Jalen Coleman lands. He played at Illinois. Played at DePaul. He got a six-year of eligibility. He wouldn't fix the seven uh, recruiting spots situation, but maybe gives you a little bit of a two guard. He's six foot four. Scored eleven points a game last year. So didn't
1: Beeline recruited him like fifteen years ago?
0: yeah yeah yeah. maybe he's from indianapolis if i'm not mistaken so um that's something to keep in mind as they're trying to find a transfer uh i think they have a better shot with anyone who has seen michigan's campus um than than ones who haven't uh Day brown out of wake forest forgive me if i spell his or if i pronounced his name wrong but former top 40 recruit uh 33 percent three-point shooter 83 percent free throw shooter six foot five orlando native native um pretty Wake Forest, I think, might be an area where Joan Howard might want to um, take a peek. I mean, I don't know. I don't know enough about the players, but Wake Forest pretty strong academics. They were coached by a players coach um, in Danny Manning, former former NBA player. So I don't know if that means that there's there's an extra in or extra parallel. But they are anyone. There's several of them in the transfer portal, and I know Kentucky just landed one. But there are a few guys that, that can play. I mean, Danny Manning could, could recruit, uh, especially – he was out recruiting what Wake Forest had done in the last five years, uh, to to put put that lightly. Um, so that's a name. A uh, couple, couple lower major recruits, you know, Jonah Antonio, Jose Perez, um, Joe Pridgen from Holy Cross, a uh, couple Mac guys, Nike Saban, Sabande, Oh, I'm sorry about that one. Michael Flowers from Western Michigan. Uh, and then I think, actually, this is where I would go if I were Jawan Howard. If, if those first two, Coleman Lands and Brown, don't work out, I would take a peek at some of these high major traditional transfers. Elijah Weaver, former top 50 recruit. Jalen Carey, former top 100 recruit. Jamal Bienemy, uh, started all, every game for Oklahoma this year is in the portal. All of them are, are kind of that two-guard role and it they kind of it reminds me a little bit of charles matthews where maybe these players have a lot of game it didn't necessarily show at their last school but maybe a change of scenery can help because i don't think even if new players enter the portal i don't think michigan's going to get a transfer that's going to be a top three in their scoring this year you know if you can beg to disagree steve i think it's going to end up being someone who is kind of a role player guy, kind of like what Eli Brooks did this past year, where he's making shots, he's playing a role, his defense is valuable, he's one of the starters per chance, but he isn't going to take Isaiah Liver's spot or he's going to take Franz Wagner's spot. And so I think, you know, if you're you're okay having a year where these players develop their games a little bit, Elijah Weaver from USC, Jalen Carey from Syracuse, Jamal Biennemi from Oklahoma, those those three kind of stand out to me as, hey, you've got Camp Sanderson, you've got a coach who is pretty good. I mean, he doesn't have quite John Beeline's track record yet, but Jawan Howard, he got the most out of Eli Brooks, and he got the most out of Austin Davis. And and so clearly he can take some players who maybe need a fresh start, need, need a fresh set of eyes, and he can get the most out of them. I think that's the method I would go. Steve, your thoughts on either those names or, or commonalities with the names and what path you would go if you were Jawan Howard.
1: Get the best player that you can, regardless of their situation.
0: Astute. Astute.
1: Hey, <laughs> recruiting, man. Like, I, you just know, like, you get the best players you can get. You know, the, I, I don't know. I guess, you know, it, it it's going to partially depend on – when Howard and his staff sit in on their private meetings and discuss like, Hey, is this roster next year or something? Can we win a big 10 with this roster? Can we Do you make think they run? can
0: right now? I think not just looking at some of the other big 10 teams. Uh, it's going to be,
1: t- it's going to be tough. I
0: right? think they need another two guard. I think they need I, someone who can score eight to 10 points. I agree.
1: Like Jalen Coleman lands.
0: Yeah. Six, four length. Um, you know, maybe a little bit of, not not necessarily a brand, you know. Zeb Jackson, I I like his game, but he's new to college basketball. A
1: lot of pressure on, yeah. No, a lot yeah. of pressure to ask a guy. But hey, you know, I'll tell you what though. Some of the better program, I this is speaking more on the football side. Uh, you know, some of the best programs in the country will throw their most talented young guys in right away, and, and more of a baptism by fire type deal. You know, and I think Michigan's a tournament team.
0: Yes, I right
1: agree. so. Yep. You know, if you think Jackson's capable or has, you know, unless, you know, unless you think he's just completely not ready, you know, type of guy early in the season, you can throw him out there, give him some legit experience and kind of see where it, you know, goes and blossoms into to come February and March. So,
0: Well, you can play Eli Brooks at the two. Right. You need that to. too. I, Absolutely. I like him. I think he's going to end up being the one. And maybe Mike Smith is that sixth man. Um, obviously, but, but Brooks did play the two each of the last two seasons. Sure. So it's not out of the question at all to keep him there. It's a little, probably a little undersized at that position than, than you optimally have, but a starting lineup of Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, Fonz Ragner, Isaiah livers and Hunter Dickinson. I I think he would start over Austin Davis. That's a solid team. I I don't think it, I don't, but I think you bring up a good point. If they're having these meetings heading into the summer, I don't think they feel like they can win the Big Ten with this roster. I think they feel like they need either a great development, you know, Karis LeVert-type leap, or they need another player. Right. So I think that would – you know, that's my kind of thought.
1: You know, the funny thing is, though, you talk about the the not wanting seven in 2021, don't you think Beeline would be licking his chops if he ever had seven scholarships to work with? Because, like, he would be able to convince – because three or four of those guys would be like, you know – guys who had no hype right recruiting profile at all you know it'd be fascinating to see what he would have done with like so much scholarship room but
0: it would you know you know this as well uh that's it's taxing man to to, you know it's a little different from football right but it is a huge drain on the brain to you know put together this five-member recruiting class and be like oh we still gotta find two more you know it's like like i i i agree i think that would be john beeline's sweet spot where he can like go find this you know, Muhammad Ali, Abdul-Rachman, or, I mean, wasn't, uh, was, was it Clay Thompson was one that, like, he liked, but they didn't have room for? Something like that, yeah. It, it, there's some, some story about that. Um, so, you know, there might be some hidden gems. There. I mean, certainly it's not, they're not screwed if they have to recruit seven. I, I just don't think that's, that's the optimal situation for them. I think if they can find a transfer that fits, that might be a better opportunity.
1: I agree. I just, It's just one of those. that's hard to answer without knowing mm-hmm. what they feel like the expectations for next year's team mm-hmm. is going to be, you know, and so, because, yeah, if you think you can, and, you know, I have a hard time, though, th- them sitting in there saying, we don't have a chance, you know, just because we know, like. Very you know, few I,
0: coaches would ever be like, ah, oh, right, we don't got a shot. Ex- exactly, <laughs> but
1: uh, because I think, you know, I still think Wagner is a guy that could take, that leap to be honest with you even though he's already a really good player you got to think about think about how much better he would have been if his outside shot had maintained consistently you know I mean he was that he look at how good he or how well he uh, played as he started kind of catch fire near the end of the year you know if his outside shooting was more consistent I mean he's a like at least all big 10 kind of guy you know first mm-hmm. team first team type guy you, I mean because tech honestly Zach maybe you don't agree I think between livers and Wagner they could have two first all team big 10 level guys in their starting lineup next
0: year um, they, could.
1: they could do a lot could. worse than that so they won't know. be
0: I think they'd be a top half of the big 10 right but Iowa brings it's set to bring everybody back Illinois is quietly they might end up bringing a lot of people back plus some good recruits coming in Michigan State has some people to replace, but they seem, you know, guys like Malik Hall seem to take a step forward. Uh, Wisconsin, I don't think they lose anybody. And so you can kind of run through the list, and suddenly there's like, you know, Indiana brings a whole bunch of people back, and, and Purdue is always good, Maryland's always it's It's it suddenly you can see where Michigan, eh, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. I think they would want to add one more. They have not been linked to a single transfer yet, and that's notable, and you can just do nothing. I don't think they would be – I don't think they would be a – it would be a failed offseason if they did nothing. But just to me, the way I see it, the departures they've had, I don't think they have fully replaced those departures just yet. And I think right. one more transfer to guard. One thing about graduate transfers, I would be. I don't know if, how late it is in the process because I know Michigan – Michigan's graduate admissions are not – Grad transfer friendly. I know John beeline's talked about that before. That some of these some of these places, I mean, you know, sc- school social work has deadline for when you can apply, and, and I mean, obviously, law school and med school, all that stuff, you know, isn't, isn't probably on the table. And so, yeah, it would depend on when applications are due. Whereas a traditional transfer might be a little easier to pull off. Um, lots to consider, though. Lots to consider, though. I do think we're both in agreement. If they could add a two guard. I think that they would feel very good heading into the summer. They might feel very good anyways. But I think they would feel like they could be a part of that, that, that top group of the Big Ten heading into the offseason. Yep. All right. With that, unless you had more to say, Steve? No. Okay. Good. With that, we will close this podcast. Feel free to uh, chime in when we post it over at MichiganInsider.com, michigan.247sports.com um it's interesting discussion this is not even necessarily a a huge um you know we're not like banging the gavel here but it's it's interesting to talk about i did do a breakdown of the nine transfers that kind of stood out to me um it's it's interesting stuff so feel free to weigh in if you like the podcast uh let someone else know (laughs) that that you think might like it maybe they'll like it too Uh, and then throw us some rating throw us some reviews throw us some feedback Uh, For Steve Verenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you next time.